Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Dash Radio Show with your hosts, Don Wright DeBrosse and Peter Mingles. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradioshow.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience. And like us on facebook.com forward slash the Dash Radio. Thanks and enjoy the show. Okay, we are here. This is Peter Mingles and my usual co-host, Dawn Wright DeBronce, may or may not be on our call. She's running late on a marketing meeting, so she asked if I would be able to hold this call, and I certainly can. We have a special guest today. His name is Jody Whitesides, and Jody is a really talented individual. I've been enjoying listening to his music for the last couple of hours and enjoying his website as well. So we are here to do an interview and actually play some cool songs and some cool records and do a little bit of promo stuff for Jody. He's a really interesting gentleman, um, young man relative to um, myself. He probably is just as old as maybe my oldest son. And he's been very successful in his music career. Matter of fact, he started over in New York. That's where he was born. Went over to Park City, Utah, which is where he might be calling from today. Lives around L.A. Has lived in Boulder as well. And has done really some amazing things. I love his music. And you're going to find that his story is just as interesting as well. And, Jody, I'll let you uh, blend in anything that you want to into our music theme. So here's our theme okay, of dope. the Dash. Here's the theme of the Dash Radio. Uh, back in December of last year, Don and I were saying, hey, Don, you need to have a microphone and share your interesting message of entrepreneurialism, of making a difference in the world, because there's a lot of stuff out there that is not as positive. And we were thinking about a theme, and for whatever reason, we came up with a theme called The Dash. And if you ever looked at someone when they're done and you look at their little tombstone or their headstone, it has a date of birth and a date of whenever they're done – and that little dash represents everything that they did in between, and only the people that really knew who they were understand what that dash might mean. And there's a lot of people, including yourself, who are fulfilling a lot of the dash for yourselves and the other people in your life as well. So welcome to our show. Dawn might be joining us a little bit, but otherwise I'm going to be your co-host. We're going to be spinning some records for you as well, but tell us a little bit. Well, first of all, thanks for being here. You're welcome. And, no, and the next part is, yeah, oh, you're welcome. The next part is, tell us a little bit more about you. So, tell us more about you. What would you like to know specifically? Because there's a lot I could cover. I'd like a lot. You know, I like the whole story <laughs> kind of thing because I really think that you can reproduce. I'd like a. I like to hear the story because you get a chance to really find more about the person, and that just adds so much more to the music. So I've read your bio. Some of the people on the on the ra- on the radio with listening to us for the first time may have not read your bio. But if you go to and those people listening in, if they want to go to Jody Whitesides dot com, that's Jody as in J O D Y, and then White sides w h i t e s i d e s dot com if you go there you can read along with us but i've been fascinated by the, some of the stuff and I, like i said i've been listening to your music for the last couple of hours while preparing for this so tell us from the beginning i mean i know you started in new york and then all of a sudden you went to park city utah yes well i was born and raised for a little while in park uh new york and my parents had purchased a plot of land in a little town called Park City, Utah. And around the age of my ninth year, they decided they were going to build a house on that plot of land and move the family to Park City. And I think part of it was they wanted to be closer to where they grew up and their family. And so that's how I got transferred to Park City, Utah. After going through the schooling system... Yeah, that is what we call culture shock. From, <laughs> Big time. <laughs> yep, from from New York City to Park City, that is that is not an easy transition. No, and when I was in school, people used to accuse me of being a motor mouth because coming from New York, you're generally fairly talkative, mm-hmm. and landing in a small town, people are not quite as talkative. Not necessarily a- not friendly, but just not as talkative. Right, and it's a different it's a different world. So for those people that are not part of, well, if you've ever been in New York before, you know how crazy New York could be. But if you've yes. ever been to Park City, that's in Utah, and there's a lot of people of the Mormon persuasion, 
over in Park City, I'm sure, just like in the rest of the places in Utah. And unless you've been around them before, you really may not understand. There's a big cultural difference. There is a cultural difference uh, in terms of the division of religious and not so religious in Utah. I think it's about a 50-50 split, and in Park City it's actually considerably less. So the Mormon influence is a little bit different in Park City than it is in the rest of the state. I got you. Okay, good. All right, so then you're in Park City, and then, you know, they, you, know you have to move fast if you live in New York. I yes. lived on Long Island for a long time, so let's face it, unless you're moving, you're going to get run over. First, less than 85th. Yep. (laughs) So, okay, so that was up to about year nine, and then you got up to Park City. Then you started to do a couple of things relative to what? Well, I first started competing in skiing, being that Park City is a ski town. So I competed in regular, I guess, World Cup slalom, giant slalom, downhill type racing. I did that for a couple of years. After that, I transitioned into freestyle skiing. And I became a very good freestyle skier where I was competing in moguls and aerials and got to the national level, competed all the way up to the point where I missed going to the World Cup and the Olympics by about a tenth of a point by one placement. And I quit after that because it got to be too expensive and I was getting heavily into music. So I decided to switch gears and get into music. Now, that must be, well, I, I, I could just imagine, especially in those areas, how competitive any of those winter sports might be. Uh, you know, they did, what, the Winter Olympics there one year, and that was maybe a, and after, was it before or after what you were doing at the Winter Olympics? Uh, the Olympics that came to Utah was bef- uh, was after I already quit. Oh, okay, got it. And, you know, it's just it's just an amazing sport, and anybody who's ever been, you know, going downhill at a fast rate of speed, could just imagine what it does to your knees, your back, and everything else. So, you probably I have actually a longer... came out fairly well unscathed in that respect. Wow. Although well, that's a good thing. The year before I quit, I actually did break my knee by out jumping the landing hill uh, of the aerial competition in practice that year. Wow. Uh, that's and that's something... a long way down. That is a long way down. I don't know how many feet you are from the ground, but it just seems like a really full, a hard fall, and the, 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 the ground is probably unforgiving sometimes. Okay, well, so snow you went, can be a lot harder than people think it is. Yeah, I could just imagine, like hitting a brick wall, especially at a high speed and at the wrong angle, because usually when you're, when you're falling, you're probably not in the best position to be able to no. absorb the fall. So, all right, so we went from the uh, the downhill slalom-type stuff and the skiing to then music was always a consideration and a factor for you. Plus, you're kind of tall. Yes, I stand at six foot four. That's, that <laughs> that's, uh, that's pretty tall by most people's standards for sure. So you're a you're big guy, and I know you ha- like to have some fun because the first music video I watched – from you was the one that I probably shouldn't have watched first because it shows you with blonde hair and a little crazy looking, and that was Hero oh, wow. Unexpected. Yeah, that was the first one I watched. And I just said, okay. you know, for some reason, I think this is not the one that really exemplifies who you are 100%, but it was a real cool video, by the way. I liked it. It showed your personality for sure. And we're going to play that. was that. meant to be done as fun, actually, uh, as being in a different character as playing a guy named Dirty White Slave who is supposed to be a fan of myself. Okay. So I watched that one first, and as soon as I started watching that one first, I said, boy, this must be like his fun video. So then I watched all the other ones as well, which was somewhat addicting. So i got to share with you, my performance for production today went down as I was really engrossed with watching your videos and listening to your music, and you really do some great stuff. We're going to play some of those. and I have a few of them over here, so you're going to be able to tell me which ones you want me to play. And you'll tell us a little bit about the background, but let's continue learning a little bit more about you. So you decided no more skiing stuff. You decided to do your music, and then a few things happened to you. So tell us about those things that happened. Ah, well, let's see. I moved to Los Angeles to do music in a gigantic musical center after having spent a little time in Boulder, Colorado. And I ended up, after a few years, getting hooked up with a large producer or a big name in the business by the name of Maurice Starr, who has worked with a lot of famous people. His biggest splash on the music scene when he first started out was the New Kids on the Block, and then he followed it up with New Edition, or maybe that's vice versa. I don't know which one's which. 
and which one came first. Uh, from there, his whole bio just reads as like a who's who in the business of like who's been the biggest stars that he's worked with. And the way that all came about was one night in Los Angeles, I was playing what I thought was sort of like an open mic, but it turned out to be like a battle of the bands kind of thing. And I'm not a big fan of battle of the band type things because music is a hard thing to judge in terms of what's better than something else, especially when the talent level is relatively the same. So there was a guy there in the audience who was trying to promote a band that he had brought in. And as soon as he saw me play, he immediately kind of put them by the wayside, pulled me aside and started talking to me. And the next day he had me on the phone to Maurice. And that was one of those types of phone calls that you just hear about almost like the actors talking about how they discovered walking down the street. I'm talking to this guy, Maurice on the phone. He asks me to sing as I've got like this mouthful of egg in my, cause I was eating breakfast at the time of the phone call. And I told him that I had, eggs in my mouth and I wanted to wash it out with some drink and he proceeded to say that he would sing with a book in his mouth. He just wanted to hear me sing. So as I'm gulping down some orange juice, he's singing over the phone with a book in his mouth. Wow. And when he got done, when he got done, I proceeded to turn around and sing a few lines from a song called Falling In and he just immediately just turned right around and he said, That's absolutely amazing and proceeded to tell me that he wanted to work with me. And over the course of time, we had transpired where I was working on a business plan and I was going the old school business plan route of like the 60 page business plan. That just is a bunch of gobbledygook. He took it all and simplified it and turned it into an eight page document. And we started hunting for investors. And from there, it's just been this interesting turn of events that has sidetracked me and refocused me in different ways. <laughs> wow. It's, you know, your story is fascinating in reference to how you were quote unquote discovered. And it was kind of interesting. I told you the first video that I watched was on the hero unexpected, which we're going to play if you want us to a little bit later. Sure. But one of the other ones that I listened to was falling in and yes. it struck me immediately. I mean, it was just such great. a great song initially the video was nice as well but the music behind the song i just said wow this is really something that could make a mark as far as the things that you had done so i hadn't listened to any other ones it was just like the first one that i listened to after that and i said now this is some really good stuff so i liked hero and expect and i knew there was a little tongue-in-cheek a little bit of fun associated with that but when i listened to falling in it was all it was all over it was a great story okay so which do you want? I got a couple over here. You can tell us a little bit about the backgrounds that I can play. I have one over here, which is All the Things. Another one is Days of Our Lives. Another one is Falling In. We're going to play that no matter what, somewhere during this. Okay. And the last right. one is going to be Hero Unexpected. So is there anyone that you want to play first? Well, we could start with All the Things, as that's essentially a coming-of-age type song that I co-wrote with a friend of mine by the name of Greg Watton. And it's also, the first song that I think I technically ever did a music video for, and a friend of mine who was going to film school did the video for me. I think I spent all of $25 on it, So, and it kind of shows in terms of the video, but you know, you get, you get what you can when you do what you can. <laughs> hey, when you're, when you're starting out, you do what you can, and it obviously has led you to a successful career so far, and then even some after that. And for those people that are listening in, we are listening to Jody Whitesides. Jody, I don't know if I'm saying it the right way or not, but it's JodyWhitesides.com. Yep, yep, and then we're going to listen to one of his records. It's called All the Things. So we're going to spin some records. We'll be back in about three and a half minutes. If you want, go listen to uh, or go check out uh, JodyWhitesides.com and you can find his stuff on Amazon as well if you're looking for anything look for which what's the name of the album is it Hero Unexpected or is it Falling In well, there's it's Hero two, Unexpected the songs that you've mentioned come off of two different albums one is Practical Insanity which is where all the things Days of Our Lives and Falling In come off of and then Hero Unexpected is like an EP single that has the main song and then five remixes in varying formats Excellent. Okay, so get them both. We're going to be right back.
All right, this is Peter Mingles here with the Dash Radio. We are on with our special guest today. This is Jody Whitesides from a domain name that's the same name as him, Jody, J-O-D-Y, Whitesides, W-H-I-T-E-S-I-D-E-S.com. And if you go there, you just heard the uh, song called All the Things. And what a great song with a great series of lyrics behind it. How did you come up with that? do you write up your own stuff, or where did that come from? That was uh, actually, the idea originated with Greg. He had come to me wanting to write a song with me, and so he presented me with some lyrics, and then we massaged the lyrics once we were getting together and making sure that there was a good flow to what was going on, and once that happened, I just married it up with music and, and lyrics and the way it went. Wow. Now, when I was reading your bio, I, I see your mom and your dad don't have a music background. So your mom's an Not interior decorator? No. Yeah, and then yes, your dad my mom's was... an interior decorator. And right, your dad does some stuff with the cartoon illustration, is it? Commercial illustration. Commercial, actually. I'm sorry, yep. And then you decided that uh, you were going to pick up lead guitar sometime a little bit later in life, relatively speaking, I guess in your late teens, early 20s? 17. 17. And then how did you, um, how did the whole... Uh, like you decide that you wanted to be a musician come about? Well, the story, as I've always related, happened in high school at an air band contest that they held one my senior year of high school. And what happened was is I got together with a couple of buddies, and it was chosen originally that I would be the bass player, another guy would be the guitar player, another guy would be the singer, and another guy would be the drummer. And in the rehearsals, as we were rehearsing the song that we were going to do, which was an old Ozzy Osbourne song called Crazy Train, it was kind of obvious that the guy that we had put in the guitar position really wasn't doing the guitar part well. It was too obvious that he didn't know what he was doing, and I had some inkling of how it kind of would go if you were playing a guitar. So we switched positions. I became the guitar player for it. He became the bass player for it. And just before we ended up doing the whole production, a friend of mine who knew how to play this song lent me his guitar and showed me a couple of places to put my hands so that I would look like I really knew what I was doing. And so we proceeded to do this. I think we ended up taking third place, but so many people thought that I really knew how to play guitar that it was just flabbergasting to me. It was like, really? You know, I, I figured if it was that easy to fool people just by playing air guitar, that I should learn how to do it and do it for real. And were you singing before then, or was this just kind of something that started off a little bit like on a whim or maybe even a little bit like a goof? The singing for me started actually as a means of trying to get demos done. I was trying to be a guitar player only, side guy kind of thing, didn't really want to be the forefront guy. And I had a really difficult time trying to find singers that I could relate to, hang out with, and work with. And it became a real problem. So... As I was writing songs, I initially were sing- singing my own songs and demos, and they were tremendously terrible in terms of the vocal and the writing and everything else, as you tend to be when you're first starting out. And over the course of time, I just ended up getting better and better. And I think the big kick in the pants came when I moved to Los Angeles. I started living with a famous rock singer by the name of Jeff Scott Soto. And just being in his presence, it made me overconscious as to what I was admitting out of my mouth. And so it really became a huge learning experience, and I learned really fast that way. And I just got better and better and better as I went along. And so it eventually came to the point that I just decided, rather than find another singer, people seem to like my singing, and I'm doing okay with it. I'll just continue on that way. Wow. So there was a loaded statement that you threw in there, um, and I just want to kind of identify it for all those people that are starting to fulfill their dash, and that's Mm -hmm. what success looks like when it's percolating its way through success, if you know what I mean. So you said a couple of things. You know, you said you're doing your own demos, and chances are, you know, they weren't as great as you wanted to be, and then you said you started living with someone that had a real influence. 
So what was that yeah. like? I mean, what was that mindset like? Here you are, you're getting started, you're really not sure. There's probably vacillating back and forth. You went from Park City, Utah to L.A., which is where a lot of people, you know, when they're going to sell it out and they're going to do whatever they're going to do, they're going to burn the boats and they're going to go to L.A. or Hollywood or wherever it might be. And it sounds like you might have even done that as well. So talk to us about that decision. It was a decision that was made mostly from having attempted to go to Boulder to be the big fish in a small pond. Mm -hmm. And it just was the same thing that I had in, in Park City in Utah was I was running out of people that could hang at the same level of dedication that I had, the desire that I had. And I had gone to music school at Berkeley College of Music for a little bit, and I met this girl there who happened to, a few years later, be Jeff's girlfriend, and they were looking to move back to Los Angeles, which is where he was from. I was looking to move to Los Angeles, and I had an opportunity come up where I could jump into a gig that I could continue to make some money but still play music constantly without having a full-time day job kind of day job. I was teaching guitar lessons, and then they needed a roommate, and it just so happened that we kind of coincided at the same time of being there in the same place, hunting for a place to live. They wanted a place that they couldn't quite afford. I happened to be available. We all got along, and I just I moved in as a roommate, and that's how it got started. So you're talking about the kids that live next door, if you will, right? You got into a home or an apartment just kind of like rooming out with some people, and that's how that kind of worked? Yeah, essentially, yeah, because Jeff and his girlfriend at the time were looking for somebody to live with them so that they could afford the rent in the place that they wanted to live in. So mm -hmm. I ended up being a person that could rent out one of the rooms and, and be a part of that situation and make it work. And from that, you said he had an influence on you as well as music, too. Yes, because he is actually considered to be a somewhat famous rock star in his own right. He is a very amazing vocalist, and he started out... Uh, earlier than I did, he was also a famous singer for an old uh, guitar player now uh, by the name of Ingve Malmsteen, who's considered one of the greatest guitar players in history. Um, and that's how Jeff got his start. And then Jeff had been bouncing around and doing a bunch of different bands and his own solo thing. And he's essentially, so many people came to me when they found out that I knew Jeff and I was living with him, they wanted to know all about him. But to me, he's just a good friend because he's Jeff. I didn't know him as this rock star kind of guy, even though I had actually seen him at shows in Utah and not knew it. I didn't know it. I just went to a show and some band was opening for another band and he was the singer for that band and I didn't even know it. So you were kind of like rooming with a celebrity and you didn't really know it and you got a chance to take advantage of all that as well because he taught you some cool stuff. Yes, Wow. All right, so it's about time we need to play something else. So tell me which one you want me to play. Is it going to be either the Hero Unexpected, Falling In, or Days of Our Lives? And if you would, whatever, just give, we got another one or two more to play after this. So pick one and then tell us about it so when we listen, it'll make some sense. All right, let's go with Days of Our Lives. It's essentially a look at a couple of people who are very much into each other and just kind of like little adventures that they set up for themselves to keep interest and happiness going in life. Excellent. Okay, so we're listening to Jody Whitesides at jodywhitesides.com, and we're going to listen to Days of Our Lives. Here we're spinning some records. Here we go. Bye. 
love that we long for. The days of our lives go rolling by. There are those moments, the smile says it all. Drop of a hat, we're out the door and chasing the sun. something about like the the humanitarian or whatever it's a music festival that i'm working on putting together called music slam 
And I've been thinking about the idea for a while, and in the past eight months I've actually been taking the steps to make it happen. And a fraternity brother of mine that I went to university with has jumped in. He's a business-oriented type of guy. So he's doing more of the business end, creating the business plan and everything, and I've been more of the front and vocal mouthpiece for the situation where I'm gathering up all the venues and getting everybody on board, and we're actually just about to go get our permits uh, in the next few weeks. So hopefully we get that off the ground, and it'll be a really good event for lesser-known bands who are every bit as talented as the megastars but don't have the same PR machine behind them, and we will attempt to make this networking music festival where we bring in booking agents and promoters from all over the world to see lesser-known bands that are equally as good who deserve to be on the road kind of thing. Right, exactly. Now, I know the music industry has changed with the digital age. When yeah. I was when I was growing up, I mean, we had albums, and we had to worry about them getting scratched or things along that line. And to play them over again, you actually had to, you know, put them on the track that it was on, see if you got it right. Now, everything is more digital. All of your music library can fit in a pocket or far less than that, if you will. And I know that you've been in the music industry long enough where you can actually see some of the changes and some of the benefits of when it went digital. So talk yes. to us a little bit about that as far as a transition. And, you know, talk to us about that, the business behind the business as we continue. Okay. Well, my first release was on CD. And my whole concept of every time I put out a CD was to be on the same production level as the major labels. So whenever I did a CD package, it had to look good. It had to have a quality feel to it, uh, which was unlike what a lot of other people that were doing things independently were doing. They were trying to do things as cheaply as possible. And I understand that because it's hard to sell music when you don't have a giant PR machine behind you. So, But I didn't care about that. I wanted the quality. I wanted everything to be equal on equal footing in terms of like the packaging and everything else, much like how Apple is very stringent about all their products and the packaging has to look really awesome as well. So that's how I approached it when I was doing things. And eventually it led me to the point where just before I met Maurice, I had offers for record deals and I ended up turning it down, not so much because it was the right thing to do. It was more or less, I saw the business for what it was, and it's just a business like any other business. But the difference is, is that people get very passionate about it, much like they would religion or other things. Music becomes someone's religion or their soul, and they very much get offended if it's not done right with some dignity to it most of the time. Whereas other people look at music as just a piece of, fluff to throw into the air and hopefully it sells a few units and off it goes. But at the time I was dealing with the record deal offer, what it was is I had just finished recording the entire album and I was happy with the way it turned out. And they came back to me and said, if you would re-record this in the style of rap rock, we will, we will be happy to continue on with the deal. And while I understood where they were coming from and how they thought I might approach that style and do it, I felt personally that I could not sell it as an artist and be convincing about it, which is why I turned down the deal. Wow. So they wanted basically, you know, you had a certain product and yours was red, and they say it would be really great if it was purple. And you yeah. said, it just doesn't work in purple. It works for me in red. And for yes. you to make it purple, kind of a portion of you had to sell out for commercial purposes. And I might not, maybe I'm saying it the wrong way, but that's what it kind of sounds like to me. And you're like, no, it's got to be red. You don't understand. Well, yes and no. I, the way I look at it is, is that I understood at that point why they were trying to approach that color, if you want to go with the red and purple analogy. They felt that that's what they were going to push and be able to sell and make money with. And I understand uh -huh. that. You know, as, as, as market tastes change, you want to try and stay at the forefront of what's happening and 
sell to that crowd so that you make money, and I get that. But at the same time, the artist has to be willing to be able to sell that product that they are throwing out there in that respect. And I felt personally that I could not sell it convincingly. It's not that I couldn't do it. It's that I didn't feel like I could sell it convincingly. And I just felt that it was not the right fit, so I didn't follow through with it. So that was a defining moment. You know, that was, you know, you had an opportunity to go one way, and you you said, you know what, I thank you, but not, and then you decide to do it something else. And where did that lead you? Well, almost within a month after I turned that deal down, an interesting opportunity came my way. I was a very good friend of the original owner, creator of a company called CD Baby, which very many independent artists now use to put out their music in terms of their CDs and now digital distribution. At the time, he was strictly selling CDs, and what how our friendship developed was through the use of computers because he was selling everything via the internet. He was essentially amazon.com for music before Amazon was for music. And he called me one day and said, you'll never guess where I am. And I was like, okay. And I threw out a couple of wild random answers and he said, no. And he goes, I'm actually up in Cupertino about to meet Steve jobs. And I was like, wow. Because Steve Jobs is one of my heroes. I never got to meet him, unfortunately, but it would have been awesome. And up to that point, I was a huge Apple nut. And so anytime there was an Apple question as it related to CD Baby, Derek, who is the original owner, Derek Sivers, would always call me to either get an answer or to get a response as to how something works on the Apple platform. Because at that time, there was still the big PC Apple war thing going on that things weren't the same on either computer so you had to check things out and this was right around 2004-ish I think it was and so what happened was is he calls me up he tells me about all this and then a week later he calls me up again and he says go to this website address and I type it in and being on the screen comes this form to fill out and a bunch of legalese to read And so I read through it, I filled it out, and I hit submit. He called me back and he said, congratulations, you're person number one going to iTunes through CD Baby. Are you kidding me? Fantastic. Wow, that's huge. So so that was kind of interesting right there. Then a couple of months later, the whole iTunes debacle, or not really a debacle, the whole iTunes thing still hadn't got off the ground. And so what happened was is that Derek called me yet again complaining about like people that were calling him a thief because he was charging X amount of money to get onto iTunes because of all the work that it was involved to get people's music ready to be digitized and all the information that was required because you need more than just a barcode to sell the music on iTunes. You also need ISRC numbers. You need all the rights from the copyright holders and the publishers and the writers and everything. It's a whole big ball of wax that's required. And because I had all that stuff, and I'm very savvy to that, that's the reason why he originally had me fill all that stuff out, in addition to me being a huge Apple fan at the time. So he calls me up one day and says that he wants to dump the whole thing. He doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to follow through with it. He just wants CD Baby to sell CDs and nothing else. And we spent two hours on the phone running through different scenarios, and eventually I just told him, I said, you need to do this because the CD will go away. It may not be tomorrow, but it will be soon, and you need to have additional in revenue or streams to go at in order to continue your business. And so at the end of the two-hour phone call, he agreed to return everybody's money and still stick with the digital distribution. So essentially I talked him out of dumping it and sticking with it. Wow, what an interesting story. So the concept of you learning how to use the new technology actually swung a door open for you, not as a musician as much, but it was also the technology that kind of blended into that that opened that door for you. Yes, and at the time, a lot of my friends were calling me .com. Wow. That's how technical, that's how technologically advanced I was in comparison to my friends. Wow, what an interesting story. And that really, I mean, it developed right right within your eyes. I mean, right right as it was going on at that time was all this stuff is being invented for the first time. 
So you're right. We saw CDs and, you know, then there's DVDs and then all of a sudden those things, you don't even need them anymore, it feels like, because now you can put everything on some little teeny-weeny device that can hold all of your favorite music. So it's amazing. Yeah. Okay, so um, we are probably going to spin one more record for you. So which one? And I will let you pick. We have Falling In is still around or we have Hero Unexpected. So whichever one you well, want for- and... If we're only going with one, let's go with Falling In, as a lot of people tend to think that that's my my big hit at the moment until the new music comes out. Uh, And the the interesting story, you mentioned watching the video. I did that video with the same director as the All the Things director, spent $700 on it, so it's a bigger budget. (laughs) And uh, the art that you see being drawn in the video is actually my dad's hand. He's doing all the artwork. And they, we took it essentially from my storyboard ideas that I had for the song. And then that song and that video won for video of the year from an organization called Just Plain Folks, which is a, the largest songwriters organization in the world. And so wow. their music awards is essentially bigger than the Grammys, but nobody knows about it. And that was actually a pretty cool honor to get, you know, a nod for the best music video of the year. It was, a, it was a great video. So for those people that want to see it, I know I saw it on YouTube. Where can else yes. can they find it? Is it on your site or is it on through YouTube or where would we find it? There probably is a blog post on my site that has it, but I do have a video page on my website. So if you just go to jodywhitesides.com and click on the video link, there'll be a list of a whole bunch of videos that I've got there, and one of them will be the falling in video. And it was really great. I really, Like I said, I was listening to it, or watching it. For, that was my second choice for you, and as soon as I saw the second one, because I really wasn't sure if the blonde hair was yours or not on Hero Unexpected. No, that's, and I'm like, that's a wig. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> I was like, this looks, a little, <laughs> this looks a little fun. You know, and he's a young guy, and he's obviously having Superman fun, you know, that kind of a thing. And then I watched that other one, I said, wow, this is good stuff. So we're going to listen to Falling In, and we are here with Jody Whitesides. Here we go, we're pushing some buttons.
Okay, we are back. This is the Dash Radio, your host right now. My name is Peter Mingles. We are interviewing Jody Whitesides from the website jodywhitesides.com. My other guest co-host, Dawn Wright the Bronx, is doing a marketing meeting, and she was running a little bit late, and I said, don't worry about this one, Dawn. I got Jody covered on this one. So we are here interviewing, yeah, Jody. I just, you know, there's a... We talk about the dash as far as the fulfillment and the meaning of life. And to kind of take some of the things that we've learned about you and I learned from the bio so far, just to kind of point it out to those people listening in, because I'm really sensitive to towards identifying what does it take to be successful and what does a successful person's life look like as it's being built. And, I mean, you were successful in uh, sports, like with your skiing, and one-tenth of one point difference, or two-tenths of one point different, we might be having a different conversation with you if you know what I mean. Yes, so, that would be correct. That was, so here we go, and you, know, you were successful over there, and success is going to probably be carried over no matter where you go. And the, the thing that I like to hear about your story is that you were into it. I mean, you're fully immersed into this thing. Some parts of it started off somewhat playful. The whole air band uh, thing and as you know, I was a young guy too once, and it was probably part fun and part probably part serious. And then all of a sudden, you kind of took it serious, and you wanted to do a better job, and that led to more rewards. And then you know you were involved in your music, and you're going out there and you're doing some stuff, and then you get recognized by someone who brings your business to the next level. You're not really willing to sell out. You really have an idea of what you're looking for. You're going out there and doing it on your own, and you're immersing yourself in, so you're attracting the people, the places, the things to constantly move you forward, and it's really been a great lifestyle. I mean, you live this stuff. You just don't play with it occasionally. This is who you are and what you do, and it's really helping a lot of people. And your best days are just getting started because when you do the thing with the foundation or whatever you're doing with the music festival, that's when it just kind of like doubles down. We're going for it. And I know you like Texas Hold'em, so the gambling analogy may help as well. But that's where you're really going to hit the next level, and I applaud you for the cool things that you're doing. Thank so you. for those for those people listening in, I mean, how many hours, right, that you did stuff and you were all on your own and no one was really watching, but you decided that you were going to do it and learn your trade anyway. So if you want to clarify, punctuate, or emphasize anything that I just said, it's your turn. Well, essentially, it's a it's a full time job and it's more than nine to five. It's essentially twenty four seven when I'm awake. You're constantly doing things that involve what you do. Music is probably second or first hardest industry to be in next to film, essentially, mostly because music is so easy to steal and people have so little regard for it now, despite the fact that it can define so many moments in someone's life. So that's, it's a tough, it's a tough haul in that respect. And Essentially, once I was working with Maurice, getting the whole investor route going, we have modified the business plan a couple of times in the past year only because I had investors that were interested that were going to pull the trigger, but only for a certain amount. Originally, we were going for a million, and now we've got two different plans, one for a million and one for 250000 And after about a dozen investors sniffing around and being interested and then finally not really pulling the trigger, I've now decided to press on and move with a pledge music campaign, which is akin to a Kickstarter campaign. Mm -hmm. So pledge music is like Kickstarter, but it's strictly for music. So tell us how that works. Well, essentially what it is is a crowdfunding platform where For different levels of donations, you get different types of rewards in terms of uh, whether it's just the music or if there's something additional to the music that you get. And with pledge music, the minimum amount that can be pledged is a $10 pledge, and that gets you a digital copy of the music when it's finished. So beyond that, there's different pledge levels that the artist can come up with, whether it's, you know, giving away handwritten versions of the lyrics or copies of older music or maybe doing special events with a fan. 
like some of the things that I've got, I'm doing a particular pledge level where you can do a day of skiing with me and I will impart some of my skiing knowledge to the person that decides to go skiing with me so they can learn to ski a little better, whether it's regular flat snow skiing or if it's mogul skiing or whatever they want to do. Wow. So there's different levels of pledging that can be done. And the way it works with pledge music is that part of the fees that they take actually end up going to the charity of choice for the musician. So it's not just fees like Kickstarter just takes a fee and they don't do anything with it other than line their own pockets. And they're in bed with Amazon, so Amazon lines their pockets with their portion of the fee. But with Pledge Music, the Pledge Music people actually take a portion of what they collect for their fee to go to charity. Oh, that's neat. And the neat thing about how this whole thing is working, this the the Kickstarter or some of the other things like this Pledge Music thing, is I, I see it really giving the fan the opportunity to develop more of a relationship with the artist. And a very direct one at that. Yeah, and it really is something really special. So it's going to be great for, you know, the continued relationship, but also a more branded, more special relationship because they really do. In in certain instances, like you said, you get a chance to take them skiing. Um, So where's the future for you? Like you're really very, a very talented gentleman, um, and you, you're putting together some great music, and I see that you're looking for, you know, bringing your business to the next level through whatever level of investments you're going to be able to get. So what's next? Well, I'm working on coinciding the music festival with the release of the music such that it becomes a two-tiered system. You know, I want to help other musicians get to that next level at the same time I'm pushing to get to that next level without a record label behind me. Uh-huh. So chances are, had I not turned down the deal and done it, just like how you're stating that if I had gotten a couple of tenths more of a point uh, when I was competing in sports, it would be a different phone call. Had I taken the opportunity to re-record the music in a different style, chances are I would be in a completely different boat right now as well. So I, I just look at it as I just keep pressing forward. I always look for the next opportunity, the next thing that I can do in a positive sense. I don't dwell on negative things, and I don't dwell on things that have happened in the past so much. Well, the neat thing is your story still is being written as we're writing it right now. Yes. So if you would have taken one deal or another, you know, one door would have led you in a different direction, and I'm sure the stuff that you're doing with your music festival is going to take you in another direction, where you come kind of combining lots of doors of opportunity plus a really smart marketing approach as well. Um, to be able to get your name out in front of a whole bunch of other people, too. So, you know, you have the talent and the business savviness as well. So just a great job. Just overall, just a great job. We are, for those people listening in, um, we're checking out Jody Whitesides at jodywhitesides.com. If they wanted to buy your music, where would they go? Well, since iTunes is the largest store right now. You can go on iTunes and you can type in my name and there'll be a whole lot of music that comes up. Uh, I'm also available on Amazon.com and almost all of the digital streaming services like Spotify, Deezer, RDO, uh, iHeartRadio. All of those places have music of mine that you can stream and listen to and purchase. Excellent. And then is there something new coming out soon? Yes, that's what the Pledge Music campaign is for. I've got 18 new songs that I'm going to be recording. It's a matter of raising the funds to do it properly this time around in terms of going into a big-time studio, working with a great group of people uh, who have won Grammys in the past or other major awards, that I just wanted to do a bigger album, a bigger selection of music in terms of just getting it to a, a higher echelon beyond the whole independent thing. Wow. But so still without the backing of the label. Right. So we're here literally witnessing history in the making. Your future biggest project is the one that's going to launch you to even the next level is just really we're looking at it like it's incubating as we speak. Yes. And that's okay. where the whole pledge music thing comes in. So that starts on Wednesday, I believe is the launch date for the Pledge Music thing. And right now the link that is available for people to check that out is jodywhitesides.com forward slash pledge. 
Excellent. All right. So we are almost finished. I will let you take the last moment or so to give us anything you want to give us towards the end. So we have about 40 seconds left. I'm going to leave this up to you. We've been listening to Jody Whitesides at JodyWhitesides.com. So, Jody, you can wrap this up. All right. Thank you very much for having me on. And the biggest thing that I can impart with which most people ask me how I continue to do it is just to stay positive and always look and think open. If I hadn't been open about getting into digital music, this a lot of this would have never happened. Wow, what a great story. Okay, guys, thanks Thanks for listening to the Dash Radio. We'll catch you next time. Thanks, Jody. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening to the show. At the Dash, we know that your time is precious, and your choosing to spend it with us means a lot. To get reminders for our live shows, click follow on the top of any show. Also, subscribe to our blog for articles, inspirations, and great products and services for your ever-growing business at thedashradio.com. For upcoming mobile experience, text DASH to 37404, and don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the Dash Radio. Again, thanks for spending some of your Dash with us. We look forward to talking with you again soon. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.